Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 488 with Tan Fam. Tan has spent years researching and writing about productivity, and so we're going to hear from his wisdom. You'll learn one, the biggest productivity myth, two, how to be more productive while doing less, and three, a simple productivity tip to exponentially improve your focus. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, it's at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F488. Now here's Tan's story. Tan is the founder and managing director of Asian Efficiency. He is considered one of the top thought leaders in the productivity industry and has been featured in Fast Company, Inc., Forbes, Huffington Post, and The Globe and Mail. On a day-to-day basis, he's responsible for executing the company's mission and helping people become more Asian efficient. When he's not sharing his newest productivity wisdom, he likes to drink lots of green tea, eat eggs, Benedict at hotels, make video blogs, and read nonfiction books. Big thanks to Tan for spending some time with us and big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no. No, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here's Tan. Tian, thanks for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Thank you, Pete, for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Well, it's always fun to chat with a podcaster that uh, I've listened to numerous times. So it's it's sort of like, oh, hey, you sound just like you. It's like I'm surprised each time somehow. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to my productivity show. And I'm excited to kind of share what I know about productivity and help people become more productive here today. Perfect. Well, I want to dig a, a touch into your your backstory for a moment and then talk a lot about uh, productivity. So I understand that you never graduated high school. And, and I'm curious, is there sort of a, a productivity transformation story at the root of this? Or is it just like, yeah, I didn't like high school? <laughs> it is a combination of both. So I read this book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard of. And I was 13 at the time. So I read this book and it really changed my life in the sense that it gave me this whole new perspective on what I need to do with my life. And I came from a first generation immigrant family. And my whole belief was, hey, you need to go to school, you know, get trained up and then get a traditional job. And I was like, okay, let's, let's do that. And then I read this book and I had a completely 180 look on life. And I started my first business when I was 14. So I remember my mom had to sign off on some paperwork because obviously she had to be liable for anything that would go wrong, <laughs> me being underage. So uh, I started a web design agency at that time. And I taught myself how to program, how to build websites and became really successful. I started hiring my high school friends and they uh, started working with me. And so the way the education system works in the Netherlands, where I grew up, um, if you don't pass the last year of your high school, you basically don't graduate. and You have to do the last year all over again. Mm. So I didn't pass the test because I didn't study. I was overly confident because my business was flourishing. And uh, so I didn't study and failed the test. And that's why I ended up dropping out of high school uh, and just continued to focus on my business. Okay. Well, so you were being productive in other domains as, <laughs> as opposed to my life was a mess until I discovered these strategies. Exactly. Yeah. So I've always loved learning. I still love learning, whether it is reading on the side or I go to workshops and seminars. So the learning aspect has actually never stopped. This is a lifelong thing for me. But the formal education side of things just stopped when I was 18. Okay. Well, understood. Oh, well, thanks for sharing. 
And uh, well, you certainly landed on your feet in terms of making things happen in a, in a big way. Your brand is is rocking. And with with Asian Efficiency, you've got the Productivity Show podcast. And it's fun. At the, at the beginning of your show, you ask about your guests or your co-hosts' top three productivity resources. I ask about a lot of favorite things at the end of the show, so uh, we'll do that too. But I'd love to to treat you in kind. You've seen a lot of resources and mentioned a lot. If you had to pick three for sort of the lifetime achievement awards for you, what would they be? Ooh, that's a tough question. I've seen so many recommendations. Part of my job is always testing new things, reading new books and, and trying all sorts of stuff. So if I had to just boil it down to three recommendations and three resources, I would say one book I would recommend is called 30 Lessons for a Living. So the basic premise of the book is the author interviewed people who are about to die and he asked them, what's one life lesson you would like to pass on to the next generation? And this got compiled into 30 lessons. And so it gives you kind of an insight of what you really should be doing with your life based on the experiences of people way ahead of you. And uh, this is a great book. It really changed my life. So I highly recommend that. Another one is a pair of headphones by Bose called the Bose QC35s. If you've ever flown a plane, you've probably seen these headphones. Everybody tends to wear them nowadays for good reason, because it's the best noise cancellation headphones on the market, in my opinion. And if you're somebody who has trouble focusing, if you put on these headphones and play some productivity music, you'll just be able to focus instantly and tune out all the noise. So that's something I personally use every day also when I'm traveling. And then the third one is an app called Text Expander. Oh, yeah. So Text Expander, as you just said, it is one of my favorite apps. If you use Mac, Windows, doesn't matter. It's also available on iOS. It basically allows you to type things really quickly and have templates that you can use with just a few keystrokes. So th think of it as like keyboard shortcuts on steroids. And uh, once you've seen a demo of it, you'll just go, okay, why have I not used this earlier? This is going to change everything for me. I sent you an email today using Text Expander. You may have intuited that. I had a suspicion. <laughs> there were some customized elements. <laughs> yeah, we have to you know, send the same scripts and emails out to people. And why type the same thing when you can just type in three or four keystrokes and get the same thing out there? Oh, cool. Well, that was fun. So I wanted to, to see how that felt being in, in your shoes, uh, hitting some three resources at the beginning. So, so thank you for those. And I'm also wearing, uh, some Bose, uh, quiet comfort noise canceling headphones right now as we speak. Sometimes I will put earplugs in first, then put on the noise canceling headphones and then play uh, a favorite white noise, such as perhaps the engine idling noise from Star Trek The Next Generation. I got that from a guest, Rahaf Harfouche. So, but you mentioned uh, productivity tunes or music or, or sounds. What, what were those that you're listening to? So there's lots of ways to go about this. There's stuff like brain.fm that you can use, which is kind of like a service that you can subscribe to and get music from. Focus at Will is another one that I personally use too. But then if you have, for example, Spotify or Apple Music, you can listen to a lot of albums that don't have any lyrics because if you start listening to music that have lyrics, it's really easy to get distracted. But if you have music that doesn't have lyrics whatsoever, for example, soundtracks of movies are some of my favorite music to listen to and to work to. For example, The Social Network, the movie that was based on Facebook, is one of my favorite soundtracks ever. Not because necessarily I like the movie so much, which I thought was entertaining, but the soundtrack is just so good and so mellow. And once I put it on, I kind of get into this flow state immediately just because it's uh, so well orchestrated. So soundtracks is a great resource for productivity music, in my opinion. Well, that's fun. My buddy Brad likes listening to uh, cinematic soundtracks because it says it feels like when you're doing work at your laptop, you're you're leading an army into battle. <laughs> that's really heroic. what it feels like. Yeah, <laughs> that's fun. Oh, cool. Well, well, we we got real deep into the the, the tactical tidbits. I want to zoom out a little bit. So, so your website and brand it's it's called Asian Efficiency, which is which is fun. <laughs> What's the story behind that name? Now, obviously, I can say that because... I was going to say, I don't know. <laughs> I, I am I Asian and I look Asian, so I can kind of play the part. And having lived in uh, the Western 
countries, there's this positive stereotype about Asian people that they tend to be really productive. So I remember a few years ago when me and my friends, we were uh, vacationing in uh, Florida and uh, we were committed to working during the daytime and then have dinner at night and just have a good time going out. And then the next morning after a night out with our friends, uh, I was up early. I was up early doing some work, being really focused, getting stuff done. And by the time it was noon, I was done with everything that I need to do. And then my friends would come down and um, they would see me relaxing, doing absolutely nothing, just reading a book and having a relaxing time. And they go, Tim, what is going on? Are you already done? And I was like, yep, I'm already done. I did everything I needed to do. Uh, I'm just going to relax for the rest of the day. And they go, wow, how did you do that? That is that is Asian efficiency right there. And I said, oh, that's a great catch name. I should register that domain name. And I, so I registered the domain name and didn't really think of it at that time of, uh, of doing anything with it. And it wasn't until a few years later when I started just blogging about productivity and time management and efficiency that I said, hey, maybe I should just start blogging about this once a week and share some of the things that I've learned over the years with my friends and family. And that just accidentally turned into a business one year later. So it was really started off as a passion thing because I just wanted to share with my friends and family what I've learned from reading books about productivity and some of the workshops I've been to and just putting it in one place. And it was just something I was really passionate about at that time. And I never thought it would be a business that it is today. So just uh, super fortunate that I'm able to do something that I'm really uh, passionate about. Well, yeah, that's that's cool. I think the first time I, I caught the name, I thought, is this about the Toyota lean manufacturing system? <laughs> I was like, oh, no, no, this is about personal productivity. Okay, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing I get quite often too. So if, if somebody says that they're already into productivity, because that's usually one step further. Uh-huh. And then I usually have the inclination just to start geeking out with that person right away because uh, I'm very into that sort of thing as well, especially if you run a business or manage a big team. You're always looking for interesting philosophies and different ways of doing things, whether it's, you know, with your own self or with people that you work with. And so there's so many ways to, you know, be productive as a person and and be productive as a team. Uh, And I love just geeking out about that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, so I want to talk about the geeking out dimension first, if, if I could. So, you know, I think I've, I've, I've seen this go a couple ways when it comes to talking about productivity, efficiency stuff. Um, you can get lost in sort of this realm of, hey, I'm just rearranging my file folders and trying out a new app and just uh, kind of like, you're not actually achieving anything. You're just sort of reshuffling your stuff around in, in different ways. And, and I've also seen implementing certain systems and approaches and tools in which you just see just sort of like life-changing benefits. So could you maybe make the case, if you could, for what are the kinds of, of gains or benefits we can achieve by implementing some of this efficiency productivity stuff? Or is it all just a, a way for, for nerds to <laughs> you know, play with new toys? There's definitely a case for all sorts of situations. And based on the last eight years of me teaching this, through the blog, through the coaching programs and other programs that we have, I've noticed that there's a couple of things that people can get out of this. One is you tend to create more structure and uh, routine in your life that might be missing. So a lot of people oftentimes come to us because life is chaotic. There's a lot of stuff going on. They can't keep up. And having some sort of structure or routine in place allows people to be more creative, allows people to get more stuff done and actually achieve the goals that they set up for themselves. So there's one big part of that. Another big part is just having the freedom to choose how you want to spend your time. Oftentimes when we are bombarded with so many things to do, our to-do list is like from here to Tokyo, it's just endlessly long. And anytime you finish something off in your to-do list, something new pops up on there and it kind of feels like a battle that you can't really win. And so once we kind of get that under control, then we give ourselves the option to really choose how we want to spend our time. Do we want to do more things on our to-do list? Or do we want to spend more time doing things like spending time with our family or starting new business on the side or just having the option to choose 
how you want to spend your time and what you want to do with that. And most people would pick one of those two options, I would say. And then there's this third camp usually of people that just love to nerd out. They just love to play with new toys and feel like they're you know making progress in their life and trying new different things. And that's definitely how I started with everything. But I also had to learn that, you know, at some point there are diminishing returns. There's only so many task managers that I can try to find the perfect one. Or there's only so many settings that I can change or just so many workflows that I should use before I really start to just spend more time quote unquote being or trying to be productive versus actually getting results getting stuff done that needs to be done and then having the time quote unquote luxury to choose how I want to spend my time going forward. So that, that's well said in terms of those benefits there in terms of we take a, a life in chaos and then by, by bringing some calm to it, you enhance your, your creativity and ability to, to focus and, and do the things and, and boost your odds of success. And you also experience some, some freedom as opposed to enslavement to the urgent next thing that, that comes up. So those sound like some, some cool benefits. Do you have any sense for, I don't know, the magnitude or, or, or quantifiable results or, or a cool case study in terms of a, of a life transformed that can really sort of paint a picture for what's at stake here? Yeah. So a recent example was a client that I worked with. Her name is Lisa, and she is a uh, executive at a Fortune 100 company. And so her role was to report to 23 different executives and helping them make better decisions around payroll. That's literally her job is just enforcing certain guidelines, making sure that the executives get the right information that they need to make uh, sound decisions around payroll in this huge company. And so on a day-to-day basis, she's in her email clients all day long, right? Because she felt like she had to respond to every single email that came in within five minutes. And when you're reporting to 23 different executives and you have email open all day long, as you can probably imagine, you spend a lot of time doing research, replying to emails, multitasking, doing all these different things, and oftentimes getting lost uh, in the shuffle. And so I said to Lisa, okay, you spend about seven, eight hours a day in your email inbox. Where do you find the time to actually do stuff? And she said, well, I, I don't. I have to take work home with me. I'm staying longer at the office. I, I don't have any time for uh, my husband. I don't have any time to cook. I don't have any time for myself to practice yoga or just to do some any form of reading. I basically get up really early, show up for work, stay really late. Don't see my kids and husband that much and uh, take home work with me and then stay up late to get stuff done. And I said, well, do you want to live like this for the rest of your life? <laughs> yeah. and I'm guessing you probably already know the answer. And she said, no, of, of course not. You know, that's why I came to you. And I said, okay, let's, uh, let's change your approach to how we do things here. So instead of trying to multitask and trying to do all these different things for all these 23 executives that you have to report to, what if we just do one task at a time and just one executive at a time. So instead of trying to appease five executives at once with their uh, email requests and the things that you have to do for them, let's just focus on one executive at a time on certain days and just put some structure in place. So you can focus doing just one thing at a time. And even though she was doing the exact same work, just changing the practice of, hey, I'm just going to focus on this one executive doing one task at a time making sure that gets done, gets completely finished, sends it out. And then once that is quote unquote done, then I can move on to the next executive. And by just changing that approach and then closing her email clients, because that was the biggest troublemaker in this whole process is if you have email open all day long, it's kind of like a to-do list that other people can write on. And so it makes it really easy for your to-do list to become endless. And then it's sometimes for certain people, very difficult to enforce certain boundaries. And so uh, she had to close her email client, just focus on one task at a time, one executive at a time. And just changing that approach allowed her to go from eight hours a day in her email inbox to just 45 minutes a day in her email inbox. No kidding. Such a simple change, but it made a huge difference in her life. Wow. So it's just sort of like, okay, I'm going to check it. What's in that email inbox. And then I am going to grab, you know, the stuff associated with what I have determined, like this project, this executive, and then I go for it. So 
Well, well, that is, that's so striking is, and I, I'm wondering, is the savings here due to just the notion that you're just continuously interrupted and, and thusly it takes you way longer to get any given thing done? You sort of move your attention from that thing to the next email? Yes. Multitasking is, I think, the biggest myth in productivity because people think that multitasking is a good trait to have. It's a good thing that you're more productive this way. But tons of research studies have shown it's actually the opposite. And when you think about it, anytime you get distracted or anytime you do multiple things at the same time, your brain is actually only able to focus on one thing at a time. And it's literally designed that way. So when you're, for example, checking email and talking to somebody on the phone, you can't really do both things. And then imagine having an audiobook playing in the background and trying to learn and, and then having like a Google spreadsheet on another monitor. So if you're doing four things at once, there's just no way you can focus doing all of these great and perfectly. And uh, people who multitask tend to also be slower because anytime you switch focus, we kind of have to uh, have this like go on this on ramp. We have to kind of like warm up a little bit, kind of think about, okay, what was I thinking again? Uh, what did I need to do next, right? Like if you talk uh, to your friend on the phone and then write an email at the same time, as soon as you hang up on the phone and you have to continue writing that email, you have to kind of imagine what you were thinking of, what you were doing, what you wanted to say, what you wanted to write next. And imagine doing that a hundred times a day. So those two, three minutes can lead to lots of hours of wasted time. And so if you can just focus on just doing one thing at a time and avoid being distracted and interrupted this way, all these little time ramps of, okay, what was I doing? What did I need to do next? Can save you a lot of time over time. And, and what's interesting, I think sometimes we fall for the myth of multitasking just because of of what it's doing in, in your brain chemistry. I think Chris Bailey, who we had on the show a couple of times, was talking about how when you switch tasks, there's there's a little bit of a, is it dopamine or a neurochemical reward of some sort? Because like, oh, this is new, you know? And, and because it feels a little stimulating, it's it's almost as though, therefore I am crushing it, but you're really not. Exactly. It feels quote unquote productive, but when you think about productivity, I mean, there's several definitions that people have, but I think one of the most useful ones is to think about, is this getting me closer to my goal? And if it's not, then I should say no to that, or I should just not pay attention to that right now and continue to stay focused on something that actually helps me get things done to accomplish my goal. So if you're at your job and you're part of a team and maybe you have a team goal, getting really clear on what that goal is and making sure that whatever you're doing every single day is in alignment with that allows you to be really productive. And then it's not really a matter of okay, did I get five tasks done or 10 tasks or 15 or even just one? If you get the most important things done that are in alignment with what you're trying to accomplish, whether it's your personal goal or team goal, then uh, you're really productive, right? So for example, if you want to write a book and publish a book and your to-do list says uh, you need to write a chapter, you need to review your finances, and you need to book a trip to Las Vegas. Uh, now, three, all of these things could be really important and they seem really fun things to do for some people. But there's only one task on that list that's really the most important one. And that is writing because that is in alignment with your goal, which is writing uh, and publishing a book. And so once you get really clear about what you're trying to accomplish, then it's really easy to find the things that are on your to-do list that are in alignment with what you're trying to do. And so when people have trouble setting priorities or trying to figure out what to do first, that's oftentimes a symptom of just not really having clarity about what they're actually trying to accomplish. Well, so well, now I'm intrigued then. And that example you gave, we had sort of, you know, very different items. And I guess, depending on your goals, um, all of them might uh, align to, to certain goals, depending on what's happening in Las Vegas. <laughs> and um, so I guess, uh, I don't know if any human being can answer this for another one, but I'm going to go for it. So so I'm, I'm looking right now at sort of my, my 10 grand life goals. So if I got these, then naturally certain tasks will bring me closer to certain goals and others to other goals. And so how does one know which one is most important? I suppose it's a deeply personal process of introspection and, and values, et cetera. But how do you tackle this one? I think we also have to look at timelines. So for example, 
if you have a goal for getting in shape or being at a certain weight, you can achieve that maybe in 90 days or you can achieve that in 10 years. Right? And the strategy is going to change based on what your timeline looks like. Because if you want to be at a certain weight within the next seven days, your strategy is going to be significantly different than somebody who has to achieve that same goal, let's say, f- five years from now. Right? And so what I think is really important for people to know is to understand where you are right now and what the timeline is for you to accomplish this goal. So if you have to publish a book as an example... Uh, if you have to do this in 90 days versus one year, your strategy is going to be different because if you have to do this in 90 days, then you probably want to change your schedule around. You probably want to limit the things that you do. You might have to sacrifice certain things in order to accomplish this goal. Whereas if you say to yourself, you know what, I have five years to do this, um, maybe you can get away with writing for 30 minutes a day and just making sure that you do that consistently for the next five years in order for you to accomplish your goal. And so I think it's important for people to realize, okay, once I know what my goal is, what is the timeline for this as well? Because that allows us to determine which strategy we should use and how that fits in into our day today. Very cool. So you talk to a lot of different people in sort of putting all this together and, and your your learnings. I'd love to hear over the years, has there been anything particularly surprising and fascinating that you've discovered about the most efficient, productive people around? Ooh, well, everybody is productive in their own way. I think if there's one big takeaway I've learned over the years is that even though I have my own way of doing things and I'm very stubborn in certain ways, I've also seen people who are completely opposite of me and achieve extraordinary things as well. And uh, we oftentimes disagree on how we would do something and approach to do something. So, for example, I have a friend. He has no sense of structure whatsoever in his life. Doesn't use a calendar. Doesn't use a task manager. Uh, all he has is just a really strong vision and a high desire to achieve something. And so, when he sets his goal to be X, Y, and Z, he will just really visualize what he's going to do. And just make sure that he's spending enough time and energy on this goal to get it done. And there's no sense of like structure, routine, whatever. It's just, this is my goal. I'm going to go for it. And I will figure it out along the way as we go for it. And I'm like the completely opposite person. If I set a goal and and this is something I want to achieve, I like to create a plan. I like to figure out ways to get there. I like to know what kind of resources I have. I want to know what my timeline is. And uh, I'm kind of like mapping out this whole quote unquote plan. And once I have this plan, then I will start executing it. And uh, some people are in between. They like to act fast, but also have a plan and mix stuff up as they go. And I've just learned over the years that there's really no one way to be productive. And I think the sooner we can realize that there's no one perfect way, that everybody's unique in their own way, uh, the faster we can actually focus on, okay, let's just do what I'm good at. And make sure I spend most of my time doing that. And everything else can just go to the wayside or has a lower priority for the things uh, that need to be done. Well, and I think that there is no one best way. Seems like a, a generally agreeable uh, assertion, but uh, I'm going to push you on that a little bit. So I'm wondering, so if, there are folks who, so we had David Allen on again recently. And so th- there are folks who would say, those who are not doing getting things done, GTD, or externalizing all of their commitments outside their brain into a trusted system, don't even realize they have a low level of anxiety that's robbing them of all of uh, some of the joy they could be having in life. Is your take that uh, they're mistaken and and uh, some people can be a rocking the polar opposite of, of getting things done and and be operating at their their maximum effectiveness just fine? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And when I think about all the different people that, for example, I work as clients, uh, people that I have in my company as employees and how I need to motivate them and get the best out of them. Just like when you have multiple kids, you have to treat everybody differently and see how they operate best and what you can do to get the best out of them. And so some people have to, for example, be handheld to get to the destination. Some people just have to give them a really good vision and tell them like, hey, this is what needs to be done. Let's 
let's make sure we do this and get it done. And some people need a plan. They, they kind of need uh, a roadmap. Uh, and so everybody is very different in that sense. And while there are certain strategies that I think universally are good practices, like David Allen's idea of like getting everything out of your head, some people just, even if they do that, they still wouldn't stick to something like that because it's just not how they think and operate. So while I do think it's a good practice, uh, if that is something that you genuinely just don't like to stick to because it's not how you like to do things, then it's kind of hard to actually uh, get the results that you want because ultimately you want to follow something and do something that you know you can do consistently over time. Because I think the key to productivity is, yes, there's 5 million ways to get to Rome, but pick the route that works best for you. And just like if you ever taken any personality test, you'll see that there's so many different variations and outcomes. And I have a strong suspicion that certain personality types work better with certain productivity workflows and productivity systems. So for example, if you're somebody who's really creative, a very strong visionary, you really don't like lists. And so a productivity system like GTD probably doesn't really work well for you, even though there are some elements of productivity systems like GTD could be useful. Uh, but generally, GTD is very list-based, whereas that doesn't really work for people who are really consider themselves like visionaries. Uh, but then people who, uh, like me who love making lists, who love making plans, they love lists. Uh, and a system like GTD then is is really suitable for them. And so fortunately, we all have options and there's different productivity systems out there. And so once you kind of know what the rundown is of what every system is and what they offer, you, know, you can then make a really informed decision on what's going to work best for you. Very nicely said. So then let's, let's talk about you. What is your system? And, and I imagine, you know, we could have the multi-hour version of this, but just kind of sort of what is being captured where? And how do you go about sort of processing and reviewing your stuff? So my system has evolved over the years, and it's kind of a hodgepodge of different philosophies and different ideas. So I've taken ideas from like GTD, from Agile Results, from Scrum, uh, from the 12-week year. And these are all things that uh, I think are great systems, but I've kind of like created my own. And I think this is the destination that everybody will get to at some point. Is I think it's a great starting point to follow something like GTD or it's a 12-week year, and then over time, make it yourself. And that's kind of what I've done. So my system is very heavily based on OmniFocus. OmniFocus is my favorite tool when it comes to managing tasks and projects. So anytime I have an idea or anytime I want to capture something or remember or just want to store somewhere, it goes into my OmniFocus inbox. Whether I'm on my phone, on my computer, uh, it goes on there first and foremost. And then I'm a big calendar user myself. So uh, as somebody who uses Mac and iOS for the most part, uh, I'm a big fan of BusyCal. That is my favorite productivity tool for how do we spell busy cal and why is it better than the default iCal? I'm asking for <laughs> so busy cal is B U S Y and then C A L. Oh, makes sense. All right. <laughs> and I think it's the power version of the typical calendar app that comes with Mac OS. One of my favorite features on there is you can actually change the number of days in your week view as an example. So for most calendar apps, a week view looks like six or seven days ahead, but you can actually change that in BusyCal to be, let's say three days or even 10 days if you like. So you can kind of see ahead of time or based on what your preferences are. Uh, and it comes with a lot of power user features as well. And it also integrates with your contact managing app called Busy Context. And so I use this a lot for networking, stay in touch with people, and then I can actually see based on certain contacts that I have and people that I'm meeting, uh, what we did because it integrates with my calendar. So if I'm talking to Billy, for example, uh, tomorrow, I can just pull up his contact record and then see, oh, based on our calendar uh, events, we had lunch two weeks ago. We had a phone call on this particular day. We did a podcast together on that day. Well, would it auto-pull like your, your texting and, and call history too from your... Yes. Whoa. Yep. Yep. So huh. that's that's one of the many reasons <laughs> I like BusyCal. And if you integrate it with Busy Contacts, then I think it's a great combination and one-two punch to have. So that's kind of like my bread and butter when it comes to just the foundation of the tools and the systems that are there. And when it comes to just syncing everything, I use the Google 
sync service for that. So Google Calendar is kind of like the backbone. But then uh, I use BusyCal as the app on top of that to kind of like manage my calendar uh, on top of that. And then my other secret weapon, which <laughs> I'm happy to admit, is my executive assistant. I don't know how I would be able to run my business, live my life if she wasn't there. So if that's something that you're in a position in to have as well, I would highly recommend getting executive assistant. And so your executive assistant, did you sort of hire that person directly or through an agency or service? I hired her through an agency called greatassistant.com. So they specialize in finding high-level executive assistants based in North America, based on your personality type and how you work. So what's really cool about their service is that you actually have to take this personality test. And then based on the results, they can find somebody who matches your personality type. So if you're, for example, really high energy or strong visionary, you need somebody who's super organized, they can find the right kind of match based on what your personality type is like. So I really like their service and uh, I'm not affiliated with them whatsoever, but uh, that's the one I used. And so does your assistant uh, do some of your email? Uh, Yes. She handles my email on a day-to-day basis now. Uh, This is something I used to do myself for about 45 minutes, 30 minutes a day. But now I got it down to roughly five, seven minutes a day, thanks to her help. So definitely a big time saver as well. Oh, that's cool. Hey, while we're at it, what are some of the other top tasks you recommend having an assistant tackle for you? Ooh, so we have a weekly meeting for 30 minutes. And so she handles uh, all of my travel. So she books every single travel, whether it's personal or business. So that's a really big task. Uh, Another thing is she orders my groceries and food every single week. So I actually have no idea every single week what I'm eating. She orders it for me. And it's kind of a Christmas surprise every single week of what I'm getting and what I'll be eating. (laughs) She books like routine errands that I have to run. So for example, going to get her haircuts, going to get a massage, uh, going to a float tank, uh, going to uh, a fitness uh, center, workouts with my personal trainer. Uh, she coordinates all of that sort of stuff every single uh, week for me so that I don't have to do it. And I just literally look at my calendar and see, okay, I need to be at the gym today at this time. Uh, tomorrow, I need to be there at that time. Uh, whether it's doctor appointments or anything else that you have to do uh, or run errands around town, uh, she handles all of that. So when I have my weekly meeting with her, I'll just say, hey, I want to do this. I want to do that. And oftentimes she will bring it up too and say, hey, Tan, seems like you haven't had a haircut in 12 days yet. It's probably time. So I booked something already for you. Uh, You should go to the barbershop tomorrow at four o'clock. I'm like, okay, yeah, thank you for running my life. That makes my life so much easier. Wow. Fascinating. I'm sort of imagining that world. Tell me about a float tank. I'm going to just get a key in on that one. So also known as sensory deprivation chambers. Do you find those valuable? I find them really valuable. I got into them maybe three years ago. And I started going just once a month. And uh, I remember the first time I went, I didn't really get much out of it. I was just laying there floating on water and not knowing really what to expect. And I kind of had a neutral experience, which <laughs> based neutral on... experiences one can have on this earth, I guess. Right. Because when you talk to people, chamber, yeah. some people go, oh, man, it's amazing. And it's so powerful. And I was really skeptical because I was already meditating every day for 10 minutes. And I thought, well, I'm already meditating for 10 days, uh, for 10 minutes every day. How much better can it really be? You know, understanding diminishing returns. So I go in, I have a neutral experience. I'm thinking, well, maybe it's not worth it. But I just know so many people that I respect in my personal life and online that just rave about it. So I continue to stick with it. And I said, okay, let's just commit to doing three total and just then make a decision on whether this is actually useful or not. And then I went the second time and then I kind of like zoned out for 90 minutes. And I just started to notice in the next two to three weeks that anytime there was something stressful in my life, instead of just responding to it right away, I could really just pause and reflect and think before I responded to something. And as soon as I saw that moment, I realized, wow, I've never had that until I started floating. And that's when I realized how powerful that was. Cool. All right. Thank you. That, that's handy. Okay. So we, we hit your system. That's cool. Uh, boy, there's so much good stuff to say. Well, So it sounds like we had Kevin Cruz on the show, and he mentioned that uh, the most successful people operate from calendars as opposed to to-do lists. Sounds like your assistant's establishing your your calendar, but 
How do you think about that world? Because you've also got OmniFocus and, and a huge list. So how do we reconcile this? I think you can marry both. I don't think it's one way or the other. If you just operate from your calendar, I think you're really focused on just managing your time. And that is, I think, a dangerous place to be because if somebody is dictating your schedule, it can feel like you can never have time to do the things you need to do. Whereas if you only focus on tasks and your to-do list, then you can put a lot of things to the wayside and uh, start sacrificing your personal health, as an example. Uh, because I've been in a situation before where I just want to work, I just want to focus on my business and do all these different things for my career. And then I would just not worry about getting a haircut or uh, going to the gym or uh, spending time with friends and family. And I was just too much focused on just, okay, I need to finish this. I need to do that and start to come at a certain cost. And so I think you can actually combine both. And in my system, that's basically how that works. And the way I approach it on a day-to-day basis is if I can get three tasks done that are really important, I have a really productive day. And it doesn't matter if it takes one hour or it can take three hours or even eight hours. If I can get three really important tasks done, then I had a really productive day. And then I usually I try to build my schedule around that philosophy. So the way I, for example, structure my day is I try to get all of my tasks done uh, before noon uh, because that's when I have the most control in my day. It's the most quiet. I can kind of dictate my schedule for the most part in the morning. So I can really focus, do deep work and try to get the three things done. And then from there, if I need to have meetings or calls or run errands, uh, my schedule kind of then builds around that. So my executive system, for example, knows that she should never uh, arrange a phone call with somebody between 8 a.m. and noon because that's usually when I try to do deep work and be ultra-focused. Okay, fair enough. Well, so that was one of my next questions is, is how do you have great focus and eliminate distractions? And, and part of it sounds like it's you're sort of theming or batching. It's different uh, sections of the day. So that, that's a cool approach. Anything else? I think a lot of productivity advice out there addresses the symptom, but they don't really address the root cause of this. And this is something I've seen a lot over the last few years when I've started working with clients. And people are always amazed when I tell people when I first started engagement with them that one of the first things we're going to do is have you sleep more. And people go, Tan, I want to be more productive. I actually want to get more things done. I need to get more things done. I'm behind on work. Uh, sleeping is probably the last thing I need right now. <laughs> and I always get this look and I say, trust me, we're going to get you to sleep more and it's going to result into more energy, more focus. You're going to get stuff done faster and you're going to have this uh, superhuman feeling of, okay, I can do anything that is coming onto my plate. And when people start to sleep more and actually not sacrifice their sleep anymore, you start to feel good. You start to have more energy. You start to have better focus. Instead of focusing for five, 10 minutes at a time, you can now focus for 30 minutes, for 45 minutes, or even 60 minutes. And imagine what you can do in 60 minutes of just intense focus versus six minutes here, five minutes there, 10 minutes here, 15 minutes here, three minutes there. When you have uninterrupted time to focus and you have the energy to focus as well, you can accomplish amazing things. And it really starts with a really good night of sleep. And so I recommend everybody to have an evening routine and making sure that you sleep more than you're currently sleeping. So I would recommend that you probably want to add another hour, hour and a half of sleep, which usually also means that you have to go to bed a little earlier too, oftentimes by an hour or an hour and a half. And the best way to do that is by introducing a morning or not a morning routine, but an evening routine, which is kind of the opposite of a morning routine, right? A morning routine or a morning ritual, as I like to call it, is kind of getting you ready for the day and making sure you feel confident and feeling energized and focused and you have lots of clarity. Uh, the evening routine or evening ritual, as I like to say, is the opposite. It kind of allows you to wind down and get ready for a really good night of sleep. And so one of the things I always recommend people do is that they journal at the end of the day because it allows you to clear your thoughts. And the worst feeling in the world is when you go to bed, you're having all these lingering thoughts in your head. Oh, did I you know, schedule this call with this person? Oh, I need to do that tomorrow. Oh, I want to make sure that you know I paid my credit card bill. And when you have all these lingering thoughts in your head, it's just so difficult to sleep and fall asleep which is kind of the bedrock for productivity. So 
one of the things that I think is just so underrated is addressing the root cause, which for most people is just not enough sleep. Okay. The root cause of distraction uh, or the inability to resist distraction is you haven't slept enough. Yes. For okay. a lot of people, and that this sounds so counterintuitive and I always get that reaction, but if you have more energy, it's so much easier to kind of like address distractions if they come your way, because now you have the energy to focus and you don't feel like you have to distract yourself from something that maybe looks a little bit more exciting because you can now focus on something that's actually in front of you. Okay, cool. So I'm a huge believer in sleep as well. So other than just making the time and, and following the basic sleep hygiene practices associated with winding down and, you know, dark and quiet and, and cool temperature, anything else you recommend to just make the most of your sleep time? If you want to take it up a notch, I would say it's a safe practice to have magnesium as a supplement to add to your day-to-day -day supplement list if you have that. Uh, magnesium is a natural uh, relaxer for our body. It's natural compound, mineral that we have in our foods and uh, that we can ingest. So uh, there's a Calm supplement out there that uh, people really like. I recently started using myself upgraded formulas, which has a um, more effective dose of magnesium that you can intake. And if you just take like 500 milligrams of that before you go to bed, you'll just sleep so much more sound. So that's an easy way to do that. Um, the other thing is no electronics or no phone, no iPad, no TV, about an hour, an hour and a half before you go to sleep. The other thing I would recommend is blue blocking glasses. You've probably seen them. If you have a friend who's a biohacker, you've probably seen them. They sometimes look kind of funny and weird because they have orange tints. But if you just wear them at home for, for your own comfort, um, they're really helpful. I oftentimes go to movies at night wearing them. And then by the time I come home, I'm not wired at all. I feel really relaxed and then I can just go to bed right away. So those are three things I would recommend. Okay, cool. Thank you. I also want to get your quick take on email. Your one tip you shared previously was don't be in your email client all the live long day. It'll distract you and sub-optimize your time. Any other thoughts on, on how do we manage that effectively? One of my favorite tips for email is the two-minute rule. So it's kind of borrowed from the idea of GTD. When you have a task in front of you, you have to decide within two minutes what you're going to do with that. And it's the same thing with email. I find that if you apply the two-minute rule to every email that you process, you'll go through email a lot quicker. So the basic question is, okay, can I address this in two minutes or less? Is If the answer is yes, just reply to the email right away and deal with it. If not, it takes more than two minutes, then add it to your to-do list. And from there, you can go through your inbox very quickly. And then also because you're building your to-do list based on your email that way, now you can prioritize which email or which task you want to address based on you know whatever priorities you have set for yourself and what your goals are. Uh, because if you start using email as your to-do list, it's so easy to get lost. It's so easy to get distracted. And that's why I always tell people like, hey, move that stuff over from your email inbox to a to-do list and then close your email clients because from there, you can then prioritize what you need to do. Lovely. Well, Tan, anything else you want to make sure to mention before we hear about a couple of your favorite things? Oh, when it comes to email, there's a couple tools that I always recommend. One of the best things you can also do is learn keyboard shortcuts. So for example, if you use Gmail, one of my favorite keyboard shortcuts is E, which is archiving. Another one, a uh, really simple one is C, which is composing an email. Then we have another one, R, which is replying to an email. And if you just learn these three keyboard shortcuts, you'll just be able to navigate so much quicker through your inbox as well. So if you use Outlook, learn the keyboard shortcuts for Outlook, and you just need to know two or three, and you'll see how fast you can go through your inbox. Awesome. Now can you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? Ooh, I have a lot of favorite quotes. I tend to write a lot of them uh, in my journal, but the one that has been most recent for me is, um, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And it's, uh, I believe, an African proverb. And especially when it comes to teamwork, I think this is really important because oftentimes as individuals, yes, we can do things ourselves and do stuff. But if we actually want to accomplish big things in life, we often want to do that with other people, whether it's your significant other, whether it's a coworker or within a team. Whenever you try to do things together, one plus one just becomes three. 
in my experience. And so that's uh, one quote that has really stood out to me recently. And is there a particular nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate with your audience? They sort of quote it back to you often? I always tell people, do the hardest thing first in the morning. So whenever you start your day, we call that eating your frog. It comes from the idea of whenever you eat a live frog in the morning, you can go on with the rest of your day. Which I do daily. Knowing that that's probably the worst <laughs> thing that happened that day, right? So it's a, it's a Brian Tracy thing. And I want to give uh, full credit to him for not only writing the book uh, titled Eat Your Frog or Eat That Frog, uh, but it's just the idea of just, hey, if you have so many things to do, just do the hardest thing first thing in the morning. Because once you get that out of the way, you have a sense of confidence, you have this momentum on your side, and then everything else that's on your to-do list is really not that scary. And it's actually relatively easy to do. And so most of us, when we start implementing this, uh, we just get the sense of like, oh man, I can do anything now. And this is something that people just keep uh, repeating back to me because I always talk about this strategy and it's just a way of living. And I love that you uh, mentioned that as well for yourself because it's just so effective. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? Just go to asianefficiency.com. This is the blog. You can subscribe to our newsletter there. And uh, we also have a podcast called The Productivity Show. So just find us in iTunes. And uh, we have a weekly episode coming out where we just share productivity tips. And you have a final challenge or call to action for folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? Just continue to listen to Pete and his guests. I think this is an amazing podcast. Oh, great idea. <laughs> and uh, if you want more productivity tips, then you'll know where to find us as well. Dan, thank you. This has been a lot of fun. I wish you lots of luck in, in all the ways you're, you're rocking Asian efficiency. Thank you so much, Pete. I was so digging what Tan had to say. Yeah, so many good little gems. The case study about someone who went from eight hours to 45 minutes a day in their email, that's eye-popping and, and striking. And so I, I think that's encouraging. Maybe you won't see those kinds of results, but boy, even if you could just shave a few minutes, 10, 20, 30 a day by adopting periodic email checks as opposed to sort of ongoing email open, that's huge. And maybe you'll save seven hours like that case study. I love that question. Is this getting me closer to my goal? And what I've been chewed on the most is how Tan points to sleep deprivation as the root cause of distractibility. And I've certainly noticed, you know, that kind of relationship, but I thought, well, hey, I kind of do everything better when I sleep more. But to identify that is the root cause of distractedness after doing so much research and working with so many clients from Tan's perspective. I thought that was really striking. And, and boy, what a counter argument to the notion of, I don't have enough time to sleep it off. It's like, well, in fact, Tan is wagering that if you take the time to do the sleep, you'll save more than that amount of time by being able to successfully avoid those distractions. Well worth a shot. And I'm inclined to agree. So great stuff from Tan. Again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F488. If you haven't already, I encourage you to push subscribe. If you do, you'll catch our next guest. We got Bob Anderson. He is talking about some of the impressive research-based insights into leadership from a gigantic study he conducted, feedback and, and all that good stuff and how to do better. Hope to catch you there. Peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.